Before I begin this shir, I'd like to announce the publication of a new sefer, Derech HaMelech, which investigates Rashi's approach to halacha and Tami HaMitzvahs. It is available in stores or directly from the distributor, Im HaSefer, that's I-M and then HaSefer, H-A-S-E-F-E-R. They can be reached at 718-377-0047. Welcome. <clears throat> this year on Parshas Titzave is dedicated to the memory of Sari Yehudas Bas Menachem, a person who for many years suffered from a variety of problems but continued to smile and be a valued friend to many people. In Parshas Titzave, we, we read the instructions, the commandments that were given to Moshe Rabbeinu to make the big day kahuna, to make the special garments that were worn by the kohanim. And we're going to discuss one of those garments known as the choshen, the breastplate. Choshen was a, a small square piece of cloth which fit over the kohen's chest, kohen gadol's chest, and as we will see, there was something very special inside. It was actually a rectangular piece of cloth that was then folded back so that it would form a square, and inside something was inserted. Let's see Pasuk, Perichav Ches, Pasuk Lamed. V'nasata el choshen ha-mishpot. You will place into the choshen ha-mishpot esa urim v'esa tumim. The urim and the tumim. Now these are somewhat cryptic words. They are certainly um, words that, that don't appear in any other context in Tanakh. We don't ever find anything else that's called Urim V'tumim. We'll see Rashi in a moment. But the the root of the word, Urim, looks like something to do with the word Or, light, and Tumim looks like the word Tam or Tamim, something to do with completeness. So you will place into the Cheshen Amishbot the Urim and the Tumim, V'hoyu Alev Aharon, and they will be upon Aaron's heart. This will be worn on his above his heart. Hashem. When he comes in front of Hashem. And Aaron will carry the Mishpat, the judgment of Bnei Yisrael on his heart, Hashem, in front of Hashem, Tamid. Well, let's see Rashi. Here is certainly a Pasuk that, that needs an explanation. Certainly the words Urim V'tumim clearly need some explaining. Rashi says, Es ha-urim v'yes ha-tumim. Hu ksav shem ha-mafirish. This is a writing. This is, uh, I would assume, a piece of parchment. Although Rashi doesn't say that clearly, but it is some written matter of Shem HaMafayrish, of the explicit name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There was written on a piece of, we'll, we'll assume it was parchment, on a piece of parchment was written God's name. That's what's called the Urim V'tumim. That he would put inside the folds of the Cheshen. The Cheshen was a, as I said, a rectangular piece of cloth that was, that was then folded into a square, and in that fold would be placed this, uh, this piece of parchment with Hashem's name on it. 
Now, what's the point? What does it do? What does it accomplish? Shal yado hu meir dvarov umitamem estivarov. That through it, it enlightens its words and it makes whole its words. Now, what is Rashi talking about? I mean, most of us, most of the listeners probably know, but I'll make it explicit. On the front of the Chayshin were 12 stones, and together with each, on each stone was in, engraved, was, was uh, scratched in the name of one of the 12 tribes of Yisrael. And if Klal Yisrael had a pressing question, such as, shall we go to war or shall we not go to war? So what they could do is they could have uh, some representative go to the Kayan Gadol, who was wearing the Chayshin, and this representative of the people would ask the Kayan Gadol the question, and the, the stones of the Kayan Gadol, of the Chayshin, would light up and give the answer. If, let's say, the answer was Ya'ale, so a Yud from the name Yehuda, and uh, uh, etc., and an Ayin from, uh, which one of the Shvatim has the letter Ayin, I don't remember, and a Lamed from Levi, etc., those letters would light up, or the Rambam says they would be bolate, they would stick out, they would protrude, and the Kayan Golda would be able to read the word, and he would say to the, to the person asking him, Ya'aleh, the Am Yisrael should go up to war, or Lo Ya'aleh, or whatever the answer was. The letters of the Chayshin would light up. And Rashi is saying this happened because of, this happened through the powers of the Urim Vitumim. Rambam in Hilchas Mikdash says that the Kayan Gadol had to be someone with Ruach HaKadosh, or some form of Ruach HaKadosh. Okay, does Rashi agree with that or not agree with that? That's not my, that's not, not my question now. But the point is, Urim Vitumim, according to Rashi, was Aksav Shem HaMafayrish, which gave to the Chayshin this special power of enlightening its words, and giving answers to very pressing national questions. Now, uh, it would have seemed that perhaps uh, Rashi could have stopped here. He explained what it is, but Rashi continues. Uvamikdash Sheni, during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash, Hayah HaChoshen, the Choshen was there, uh, meaning even though, although the, the Gemara uh, says that uh, the Gemara in Yoma, Davchaf Alafamid Beis, says that certain items that were in the first base of Mikdash were missing in the second base of Mikdash. Second base of Mikdash did not have the, the same level of spirituality and, and of uh, the same miraculous nature that the first base of Mikdash had. But, Rashi says, in the Mikdash Sheni, there was a Choshen. The Kayan Godel did wear the Choshen. She'i efshe the Kayan Godel liyas mechuser begodem, because it's not possible for the Kayan Godel to be lacking in his garments, meaning the Torah in this week's parsha uh, prescribes that the Kayan Gadol has to wear eight special garments, and he cannot be missing any one of them. If he is, then everything he does is disqualified. So he had to have been wearing a Choshen during the time of the second base of Mikdash. Avol oso Hashem but that shame, that writing of Hashem's name, which we call <coughs> the Urim Vitumim, 
was not inside of it. There was no Urim Vitumim inside the Cheshit. The Alshem Oso Haksav, who Karui Mishpat. On the name of that writing, the Cheshen is called Mishpat, meaning it is called Cheshen HaMishpat because it had that writing inside of it. Shinemar, as it says in a Pasuk in Bamidbar, V'sha'aldoi v'mishpat ha'urim. He will ask him the judgment of the Urim. It says there that, um, that ultimately Yeshua will become the leader of Am Yisrael, <clears throat> and although he'll be, the, he'll be the king, he'll be the leader, but sometimes he will have a question, and he will have to go to the Kohen Gadol, V'sha'aldoi v'mishpat ha'urim. And he will ask for the judgment of the Urim, meaning the Urim Vitumim. And Rashi continues, Es mishpat b'nei Yisrael. Our Pesach says that Aaron will carry the mishpat of b'nei Yisrael on his heart. Says Rashi, Dover shehem nishpatim v'nochachim al yado. What does it mean, mishpat? Something that they are judged and in consideration through it. Meaning something that they are considering whether to do or not to do. Im la'asais devar olo la'asais to do a certain thing or not to do a certain thing? Where will be the answer to their question? The answer to their question will be, it will be on the heart of Aaron HaKoyin, or his successor as Koyin Gadol, because the answer can be found by consulting the Urim Vitumim. Rashi continues, so the fi mikra acher, according, according to another Pasuk, not sure about this word mikra. I don't have time now to look at other texts. Some, some, somehow that word mikra doesn't look right to me. But according to another explanation, shachoshin mechaper al ma'avse hadin. According to a different explanation, that the choshen brought atonement upon those people who are me'aves esadin, people who corrupt justice. Sometimes you have a judge who is who is. Uh, Either, either intentionally corrupt or maybe not intentionally corrupt, but perhaps he has issued a wrong judgment uh, out of, uh, as an honest mistake. But that also needs kapara. So according to the explanation that the Cheshen brought atonement on improper judgments in Beis Din, Nikra Mishpat al-Shem Slichas HaMishpat. So then the Cheshen is called Cheshen HaMishpat because of this Slichas HaMishpat, because of this forgiveness of improper judgments in court. Okay. Well, my big question on this Rashi is, starting from the words, Uvamikta Sheni, Hoya HaChoshen. Rashi addressed the words, Ha'urim V'atumim, which are somewhat mysterious. When I mean mysterious, I mean they're not words that are used elsewhere in such a context. Uh, some Mephoshim point out that part of the issue with these two words is it calls them ha-urim v'ha-tumim, the urim and the tumim, which would indicate that we know what they are, but, but we don't know what they are. They've never been mentioned before. But that's another thing that's, that's a little odd, uh, about the, the, something remarkable about this phrase. Rashi explained it. He explained what it is. It is a ksav shem ha-mephoshim, it's a, a, an inscription of Hashem's holy name, which was placed inside the Cheshen, and that's what made it light up and provide answers for questions. As I said before, it would seem that Rashi could have stopped there. But instead, 
uh, Rashi seems concerned about something in history. Uh, in the Mikdash Sheni, what about in the Mikdash Sheni? There was no Urim Vitumim in the Mikdash Sheni, the Gemara says. I mean, how does Rashi even know that in the Mikdash Sheni there was no Urim Vitumim? When I say how does he know, yes, of course, Rashi knew all the Gemaras, he knew all the Midrashim. But in looking at this Pusik, where did he even see in this Pusik? that there was no Urim Vitumim in the Mikdash Sheni, and, and why would it concern him? It's not really relevant to understanding the Pshuta Shal Mikra, the simple meaning of this, of this verse. The Gemara in Yuma says, as I mentioned before, a number of things were not present in the Mikdash Sheni. For example, some very important things, such as the Orain, the Kapoiris, the Kruvim, the whole Arain HaKadosh was not, simply not there in the, in the Beis HaMikdash Sheni. Inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, during the times of the second Beis HaMikdash, was nothing. There was nothing there. No Oren, no Kapoiris, no Kruvim. Rashi doesn't talk about that. Rashi, last week in Parshish Truma, when the Torah tells us to construct the Oren and cover it with the Kapoiris, and on top of the Kapoiris goes the Kruvim, okay, Rashi doesn't mention that there will come a time when they won't be there. When there'll be a time in the times of the Beis HaMikdash Hasheni that they will not exist. That, that's not relevant to the Pshutesh Mikra. So why is it relevant here that during the times of the Mikdash Sheni there was no Urim Vitumim? I'd like to put this question on the side for a while and talk about a halachic issue here which is uh, somewhat peripheral but I, eventually I think we'll be able to see the relevance. The Rashi that we read said that in the Mikdash Sheni there was a Choshen because it can't be that the Kayan Golda was missing one of his required eight garments, so it must be that he was wearing a Choshen, Rashi said, but the Urim Vitumim, the, the inscription with Hashem's name inside of it, that was not there. The truth is, uh, this is a. Uh, this is not. Not everyone agrees to Rashi on this. Tosfos in Mesech de Yuma Daf Chafala from base, and the Rambam in Hilchas Chayam Mikdash. They both say that not only did the Kohen Gadol wear a Choshen during the ba- the Bayasheni, but there even had to be the Urim Vitomim inside because they say that the garment called Choshen includes the Urim Vitumim. And therefore, if the Kayan Golda was wearing the, the Choshen and there was no Urim Vitumim inside of it, he would be Mechusr Begodim. He would be lacking one of the required Begodim and all his service would be possible. So Toysvis and the Rambam say, not only did the Kayan Golda wear the Choshen during the second base of Mikdash, but even the Urim Vitumim was inside. What does the Gemara mean when it says there was no Urim Vitumim during the times of the second Beis HaMikdash? It means it didn't work. It didn't, was, did not have that ability to answer questions. During the times of the Beis HaMikdash, Harishain, if Klai Yisrael had a very important question, they could send someone to consult with the Urim Vitumim, and it would light up, or the letters would, would protrude, as the Rambam says, and it would give them an answer. But during the times of the Beis HaMikdash that that wouldn't work. Okay, it's a garment. 
The garment consists of the various kinds of threads, which are woven in a certain shape and then folded over, and then you have to put in the put in this this inscription of Hashem's name. That is the those are the requirements. That's what defines this garment. The Kohen Gadol has to wear it because he must have all of the necessary garments. But it didn't have this uh, miraculous prophetic ability. What's the machlekes exactly? What are, what are they arguing about? Uh, we'll say Rashi on one side, Tosfos and the Rambam on the other. Well, on a on a simple level, on a just the the basic basic conception of the machlekes is that Tosfos and the Rambam hold that the Urim Vitumim is part of this garment called Choshen. It is a garment that has two parts to it. It has a part that's made out of cloth and and jewels. Precious stones, and it has a part that's made out of a an inscription of Hashem's name. Just like we can say that the uh, the aphoid has a part that hung down uh, below uh, the the Kayan Gadol's waist, and it also had shoulder straps that came up his back and onto his shoulder. Uh, each garment, uh, a garment, may have different parts. You, you take a, a modern day shirt. You have the the main part of the shirt. And the buttons going down the middle, and you have the sleeves. I mean, it, it, it has different sections. So, according to Tosis and the Rambam, the Urnavitumim was only considered to be a beggar, a complete garment, if it had, pardon me, the Choshen is only considered to be complete and, 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 uh, and halachically qualified if it has the Urnavitumim inside. According to Rashi, Rashi is of the opinion that the Urim Vitomim is not part of the Beged. It's not part of what defines this Cheshen as being a Beged. The Beged is the cloth and the, and the jewels. If, if any part of that is not there, you, you, you're not Yoytze, you're not wearing the eight Begodim of the Kohen Gadol. The Urim Vitomim is something that was placed inside for a certain reason. If we look at Rashi's words carefully, uh, perhaps we see this. He says, he's defining the Urim Vitomim. He says, Huk Sav It is an inscription of Hashem's explicit name. That he would place it into the folds of the Cheshen. It sounds like the Cheshen is the Cheshen. This is something that you place inside of it. Sha'al Yado, that through it, Hu Meir Dvarov Umetameim is Dvarov. Through it, the Choshen, which is a separate item, can illuminate and make whole its words. And the truth is, even more than that, if you look at the Pasuk itself, it sounds like the Choshen is one thing, the Urnavitumim are something else. Because the Pasuk says, V'nasata el Choshen ha-mishpot, you will place into the Choshen ha-mishpot, Esa v'yasatumim. Now that sounds like there's such a thing called Cheshen HaMishpat without the Urim Vitumim. The Pasuk is commanding us to put the Urim Vitumim inside this thing that's called the Cheshen HaMishpat. Sounds like it's called a Cheshen HaMishpat. It's called a Cheshen even before you put the Urim Vitumim inside. This is a, a proof to Rashi's Shita that is brought out by one of the very important Mepharshim. So Rashi's opinion is, that the Urim Vitomim is not part of the definition, it is not part of the garment called Cheshen. And therefore, it could be, uh, Rashi says, that uh, in Bayashani, in the second base of Mikdash, 
the Kayin Gadol wore the Chayshin, because that's one of his required garments, but they didn't put the Urim V'tumim inside. What we see from this disagreement between Rashi and Rambam and Tosfis is that there is an issue here of nomenclature. There is an issue here of what things are called. According to Rashi, the the Choshen is called a Choshen even when it doesn't have the Urevitumim inside of it. According to Tosfis and the Rambam, it would not be called a Choshen if it didn't have the Urevitumim inside. And I think this leads us to understand why Rashi began to discuss this altogether. Of course, why Tosfis discusses it, Tosfis is a commentary on the Gemara. The Gemara there in Masech Yoma is discussing um, what the Beis HaMikdash was like during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash. Certain things were missing. Okay, Tosfis is, is talking about that because that's what the text is talking about. The Rambam was writing Hilchas Klei HaMikdash. He was writing his halachic treatise about the, all the different items that were in the Beis HaMikdash, and certainly part of that exposition has to be uh, has to include a discussion of what was there during the second base of Mikdash, if, if it was in any way different from what was there in the first base of Mikdash. So why Tosfis and the Rambam go into this is not a question. But why did Rashi here, in his commentary on Pshuta Shalmikra, start talking about Mikdash Shani and how, how it was in the Mikdash Shani? It seems to be uh, uncalled for here. It doesn't seem to be part of Pshuta Shalmikra. But I think what was concerning Rashi is that if there was a time that the Urim V'tumim was not inside the Choshen, so then why was it called Choshen HaMishpat? Because as Rashi says at the, at the end of this comment, really in the next comment, he explains that why was why does the Pasuk say that Aaron carried the Mishpat B'nei Yisrael on his heart? Rashi says, what's that mishpat? It's not talking about uh, judgment in a court of law. His first pshat is that it's davar shehem nishpatim v'neichachim al yado. It is something that they are in judgment and in consultation regarding that thing. Im la'asos davar ololasos. If to do this thing or not to do it. And he means, and the chayshin ha-mishpat, the urim v'tumim would make the decision for them. And in fact, in a, on a previous Pasuk, going back to the first Pasuk in the Torah regarding the Cheshen HaMishpat, Perek Chavches, Pasuk Tezvav, there it says, V'yasisa Choshen Mishpat, you will make the Choshen of Mishpat. And Rashi there explained, I'm reading only part of the Rashi, I'm, yes, I am cherry-picking, but I'm cherry-picking one particular Rashi here that is very relevant. Davar Acher, another explanation. What does it mean that it's the Cheshen Mishpat? Mishpat Shemivarer Dvarov Vahavtachosei Emes. The Choshen is called Cheshen Mishpat because it clarifies its words and its promise or its trust is true. Meaning it clarifies its words by lighting up and giving you an answer to a question and it's Haftachosei Emes. It is, it is a true and trustworthy decision. It, it, it is supported by Ruach HaKodesh. It is some sort of prophetic power. And Rashi says, this is a Lushan of Birur Dvorim. This word Mishpat means 
a clarification of words, a clarification of matters. The word mishpat, Rashi says, can refer to the final judgment of, that a basedin issues, the final clarification. Yochayev, yopater, you should, you shouldn't, you have to pay, you don't have to pay. This is how much you have to pay. It is a final clarification. Shemifaresh umivarer divarov, that it explains and clarifies its words. That's why it's called Choshen Mishpat, because it provides this judgment through the Urim Vitumim. So I think perhaps that Rashi's question in our comment that we are discussing, what was bothering Rashi is that if it's the Urim Vitumim that, that did this, I mean, up in, when, when he, in, regarding the first Pasuk, we didn't even know there was such a thing called Urim Vitumim yet. But somehow, uh, the Pasuk was saying that the Cheshen is called Cheshen Mishpat because somehow the Cheshen clarified things. There it was not clear what was doing the clarification. But here it says you are to put into the Cheshen these Urim Vitumim, and the words Urim Vitumim indicate that it is something that enlightens and clarifies and gives you a complete answer to a question. So it's the Urim Vitumim that are doing it. But then Rashi had a question, but, but, but they weren't always there. And therefore, if they weren't always there, why is it called Chayshin Mishpat? Sometimes the Kayan Gadol was, was walking around the Beis Mikdash all day long and serving and bringing different korbanas and whatever he did all day long, and there was no Urim Vitumim inside his Chayshin. So why was it then? Why then was it called Chayshin HaMishpat? I think that's why Rashi got involved in this issue. And what does Rashi say? He says, it's true, in the Beis HaMikdash HaSheni, there was no Urna Vitumim. There was, this Ksav was not inside the Choshen, but Al Shem Oso HaKsav Hukori Mishpat. It's because of that Ksav that the garment is called Mishpat. Meaning, it was called Choshen HaMishpat during the time of the base of the, during the time of the Bayashani, because previously, at a different time, it had served the function of Mishpat. It was called Chayshin Mishpat because that was its potential to provide Mishpat, to, to provide clarification, to provide answers to questions. Even when that function, even when that ceased to work, even when it ceased to serve that function, but that is its function, that is its potential, and therefore, that's what it was called. On a simple level, I think we see an important point that, that, a, that, a, that a thing is called, its name is, is, is established by its potential, not necessarily by what it is, does right at this moment, but a thing has the name based on what it can be and on what it should be. The same goes for the name of a person. If a person's name, uh, if a person has a name, let's say a person's name is, um, I don't know, sometimes a girl is called uh, Tamima. Tamima means perfection, wholeness. Now, does that mean a little eight-year-old girl named Tamima is perfect and whole? Obviously not. 
She's quite unformed and quite imperfect. And even when she grows up to be 35 and 50 and 70, human beings are not so tamim. But it is a potential. And a, per, and a thing is called by its potential. I think that's one simple point that we see from this Rashi. I think also there's, a, there's another way to understand why it was called Cheshen Amishbat during the Bayashani, even when it was no longer really serving that function. There is a Pusik in Kohelis, a, a somewhat cryptic Pusik, which says, Ten Chelik Lishiva, give a portion to the seven, Vigam Lishmoina, and also to the eight, Chilo Seda because you don't know what evil, what misfortune will come upon the land. Now, what, what in the world does that mean? Give a portion to the seven, give a portion to the eight. What's the seven? What's the eight? Rashi, in his commentary on Kohelis, gives a number of different interpretations. We're going to look at one of them. Rashi there says, Ten chelik l'shiva, this refers to the public korbanos that were brought during the seven days of Pesach. So give a chelik, give importance, recognize the importance of the korbanos that were brought on the seven days of Pesach. The gamle shmona, and also to the eight, Rashi says, shel shmonas This refers to the korbanos that were brought on the eight days of Chag, Chag meaning Sukkot. So the Pasuk is saying, pay attention, give importance, be careful about the korbanos that were brought on the seven days of Pesach and the korbanos that were brought on the eight days of Sukkot. Ki lo because you don't know what evil might come, says Rashi, im yechrav habayas, if the house, if the Beis HaMikdash will someday be destroyed, as we know it was, and you will no longer be able to bring those korbanos, but the first korbanos that you brought, the korbanos that you brought when the Beis HaMikdash was standing, they will help, they will be effective, to nullify some evil decree that will be issued centuries later, when there is no Beis HaMikdash. So it's saying, uh, be careful about these korbanos and, and, and give them the proper attention and understand their importance because there may, there, will, there may come a day when you won't be able to bring them, but the fact that you did bring them in earlier generations will help to protect you. Now, that's very interesting. We normally think, and we think this for good reason, because there are sources in, in Sukkim and in, in Chazal to think that what relevance do the korbanos have to us? Meaning, how do we benefit from korbanos? We don't bring korbanos today. So are they of any benefit to us? So we tend to think that really what was, was, Unfortunately, we can't do that service to Hashem anymore at the moment until Bias Goyal Tzedek. But we, we, we tend to think that there's something called Unashalma Parim Sefasenu. We can pay our debts to a Baruch Hu with our lips. We can recite 
the psukim about those korbanos. We can daven musaf, where we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to return to us the service of those korbanos. We can study the Torah about those korbanos, and through that action of our lips, that is considered, that is counted as if we have brought the korban. That's how we normally think about it, and we, that's, that's a correct thought. But here Rashi is telling us something else, something in addition, and it's something quite different. And that is that the korbanos that were brought 2,000 years ago and more in the Beis HaMikdash are still serving, they are still helping us. They are still, they still have the power to nullify certain bad decrees from us. They are still benefiting us. We see this also in a Gemara in Mesech de Brachas, Taflamid Beis Amid Beis. The Gemara there is expounding upon a Pasuk in Ishayahu. It's fairly well known because it's a Haftarah. The Pasuk uh, describes a conversation between Klal Yisrael, or Tzion, and a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Pasuk says, Vatoymer Tzion, Tzion said, Azavani Hashem, Hashem has abandoned me. Varanoi Shechechani, and God has forgotten me. What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu answer? Would a woman forget her child? Would she forget to have mercy upon the, the child that, that came from her belly? If that could be so, then I would also forget Klayuso. But such a thing doesn't happen. A woman doesn't forget her own child. Even there are stories about women who for one reason or the other, were forced to abandon their child, to give up a child for abortion. But they, they spend the rest of their lives thinking about it and, and wondering if they can somehow reunite with their child, even though they, they barely knew the child. But that's the nature of it. So just like a woman would never forget the child that she, that she gave birth to, so I will never forget Kla Yisrael. I will never forget you, Kla Yisrael. The Gemara explains this dialogue as follows. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Klum eshkach oilois elim ufitre rechamim, she crafted the fonai b'midbar. The Gemara is darshaning this word, ulo, the word for baby that is used in this Pasuk is ulo, her oleil. And oleil is a, is a little baby, a little child. So the Gemara is darshaning that the word ula is like the word korban ola. Klum eshkach oilois elim ufitre rechamim. She crafted the fanai b'midbar. Will I ever forget the korban oila of rams and the pitre rechamim and the, the, the bechorois, who are the opening of the womb, that you sacrificed before me, that you brought before me as gifts, in the Midbar, will I ever forget the Korbanis that you brought once upon a time? So that's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. Amr al-Afanav, said back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rebani the Master of the Universe, Since there is no forgetting in front of your throne, since you don't forget anything, so maybe you won't forget you won't forget the, the Cheta Egel either. Maybe you'll always hold that against me because you can't forget. Omar Law, Hashem said to, to Klai Yisrael, Gam Eile Tishkachna. 
even such things can be forgotten. Kaviyachal. Of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't forget anything the way we forget, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't remember anything the way we remember. But there are things which HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes into account, that's called He remembers them. There are things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts on the side and does not take into account, that's called He forgot it. He knows where it is. He's not acting on it. That's called He forgot it. But what do we see from this, this line in the Gemara? Kodesh Baruch Hu says, Will I ever forget the oilois and the bechorois that you brought to me as korbonois? Meaning that was done a long, long time ago. And maybe, and you're not doing it anymore. Right now, you're in, you're, this Pasuk is describing a situation where Klai Yisrael is in Golos. And they're not bringing korbonois. But Kodesh Baruch Hu says, I remember, I remember the korbonois that you once brought, and they are still they are still benefiting you. They're still good for you. They're still doing something for you. And that's the idea that we see here in the Rashi in Kohelis. And perhaps this has a connection, maybe not a direct connection, but I think it has a connection to what Rashi is talking about here in Parshas Titzavet. In the, in the Mishkan and in the Beis HaMikdash HaRishon, the Kohen Golda were a Choshen. Inside the Choshen was the Urim Vitumim, and this gave it a prophetic power that Klai Yisrael could go to the Urim Vitumim and ask a question of great national importance and receive a prophetic answer. In the Bayashani, that wasn't there. The Urim Vitumim, according to Rashi, was not even there. It simply was not inside the Choshen. But that doesn't mean that what once was simply disappeared. What once was is still here. It's still working to some extent. It's not lost. The, the merit of it and the, and the toelis of it, the, the benefit of it, was not totally lost. And therefore, even during the times of the Beis Hamikdash Hasheni, the Choshen was still called Choshen Hamishpat.